I've been wrestling with, you know, putting out another project. I don't know. I've been kind of going back and forth. You know, oh, okay. when you get, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, everybody Just doing look, it to do it, right? Yeah, everybody can't be Jay Z. So, you <laughs> no. know, to say that there are some older rappers who put out some uh, stuff this year. Just like, or I guess last year, twenty seventeen, that wasn't. Uh, wasn't kosher. Anyway. We need to be just like the Rolling Stones, though. You know, Christian hip-hop and just regular hip-hop and underground hip-hop. Like, those dudes, you know, and those other groups are 75 years old. And they should be able to put their art out until the day they die, which is clearly what they're doing. I mean, but when you get older, you just have to you have to really hit the mark really well. Or yeah. it will just be like, oh, look at this old dude. Womp, womp, womp. And your content should also grow with you. Oh. For my peoples one time. If you haven't heard, realized yet, you're listening to Across the Intersection podcast. Um, that was just our uh, little smattering of uh, <laughs> chatter uh, pre pre uh, seriousness. So this is AJ. I'm in here with Eve and Dan. Hey y'all. What's up? Um, as always, you can uh, ingest our podcast on all of the platforms. That's iTunes, Google Play, um, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. If you're on that iTunes platform, go ahead and give us all five of those stars, please. And as always, hit us up on social media. as uh, Facebook, Twitter, and the Grizzam across the intersection. Um, and please follow us, tweet us, do all of that, and hit us up. Um, you can hit us up individually. I'm at Divinimus on all platforms. E to the V to the on Twitter. Now it's been a while, Dan. What, what, what do we got? What do we got? Uh, same old. Oh uh, man! <laughs> I said I was going to start a Twitter page for Dan, and I never did that. So I, <laughs> I got to make that my that was my New Year's resolution for 2018. But now it's good to have Dan in the building. Um, so we're just gonna you know get it in this this morning because it's, it's a lot of lot of lot of stuff. Um, we, uh, I'm gonna apologize ahead of time. It might be a little bit of Christianese. <laughs> Y'all know we we like to give our preference when we get a little Bible-y. You know, it's important for people to understand Christianese because we live in a country that claims 75 percent Christianity. Well, you know, it's a claim, but anyway, it's a claim. you know, mm-hmm. that claims so much, uh, such a high percentage of Christians, so that it's good for the general public to understand what in the world these Christians are talking about. Although you know, when not we only talk- that, what's the dude? Um, that uh that that white supremacist guy who was organizing the Charlotte thing. What was the guy's name? Oh, I don't know. Some Spencer. Yeah, Richard, Richard Spencer. Spencer. Oh, Richard yeah. Spencer. Yeah. But he came out and he actually said, "You know what? I'm I'm more of a cultural Christian." Like I was like, I'm glad I appreciate least, yeah. that. I was like, you know what? I wish more people would just say that. <laughs> like I wish you just say, you know, I don't really believe in all the doctrinal stuff. I'm just a cultural Christian. Yeah. He actually said that. So if it's anything, I, I'm not here advocating for Richard Spencer. Everybody like, what? You know, no, no, I'm not advocating for Mr. Spencer. He just made a statement that I was like, I wish everybody else would say. I would still take that Christian word out of it that he's just cultural <laughs> i'm just a cultural person he's a cultural bigot you know yeah so anyway but that I, question comes that came comes up to me every easter just like it came up a couple of weeks ago whenever i see people celebrating easter and we know about some of the challenges with the back with the background of the word and the holiday but the point is with all these people celebrating easter knowing that uh for a lot of people, it stems from the belief in the resurrection of a dead person. Whenever I see people with Easter eggs and bunnies, I'm just, I just, it just comes into my mind. Does this person really believe that someone who was dead raised from the dead? You know, like here you are tracing around with bunnies and, and eggs and, you know, talking about going to church for the first time that year. 
But do you believe somebody was raised from the dead, you know, or is that really, you know, folklore? So yeah, cultural Christians would, would, would say, oh, we're just celebrating. It's a holiday. I never understood what the motivation is. I never, like before I, you know, be, became serious about my faith, um, I was, you know, my, my family growing up, we didn't quote unquote grow up in church at all. But we were those cultural people that like on an Easter, we would go to a church <laughs> yeah. or like on a Christmas. Somebody's church. Like we like we, we would do that. But, you know, I look back on it now and I'm kind of like, I wonder what the motivation was for that. Culture. Yeah. yeah, I had a different experience altogether. My family weren't Christians, so mm-hmm. growing up, we only went to church if it was a wedding or a funeral. <laughs> or that, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you so weren't we, anti-church? We never, we never you know, went for Easter or Christmas or anything like that, and we were never... You know, Easter was all about the Easter bunny, <laughs> and Christmas was all about Santa Claus, but... Yeah, yeah. so, I don't know. I just... I, I, I don't. I don't... I, I'm not knocking anybody. You know, I'm not knocking your hustle. You know, I just don't. I, I would love to understand what the motivation is. But anyway, speaking of traditions, um, so recently there was the MLK 50 Gospel Reflections from the Mountaintop. That is a mouthful, right there. Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Jesus, Christians love to just have a whole long title that they can't just say you know MLK 50. But anyway, it was the MLK 50 Gospel Reflections from the Mountaintop. It was an event. Um, that spoke on a lot of different issues, obviously concerning race and the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Man, that's a long, that's a long one too. Imagine having to write that on a check. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have a hard time. I, I'm one of them. I guess I'm I'm kind of caught between Gen X and millennial i didn't realize that but the year i was born because um gen x goes until 80 oh lord don't get me started with this i'm one of these people that actually believes that generations last for the full 20 years but the way that uh pop culture is is going now has mushed gen x to like 10 or 5 years uh so i you know i I, I, I agree it is the full 20 because we know that the baby boomers started in 45 because that's why they were called the boomers when the dudes came home from the from world war ii you know that's when the boom happened so that's 40 65 through 64, Gen X is 65 through 84, and uh, uh, the millennials are 85 and through, and through 2004. The reason I bring that up is because I don't know what, I don't remember what year you were born, but I do know that the um, the way that culture is and the media is now is mushing Gen X to back to like oh, 10 years. Or they had the Xennials, the, yeah. the in-between Generation X and Millennials. Yeah, I, so. That's probably what you are, AJ, right? Maybe because I was born at the tail end of the 70s, but I so I still have some tendencies. I have a lot of tendencies that are Gen X, but I notice I have some tendencies that are Millennial. I'm like, but I'm not. A, like when I meet a legitimate Millennial, I realize... I am not a millennial, but I was just mentioning <laughs> so that because, like, I still write checks for certain things. Like, I still have. Oh well, checks. in that case, I'm a millennial because I haven't written a check, and oh, I don't man. know how long. Then I might just be an old man. But <laughs> I still have a checkbook, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening, now, I, mm. I do write checks every once in a while. So I was just that thought that just crossed my mind when I said Martin Luther King writing your name on a check. But anyway, mm-hmm. but getting back to MLK, yeah, I just MLK I did want to, but I did want to make a statement. I don't know about you guys, and maybe you can give a little insight on your own reflections but it just hit me like seriously hit me when uh, that 50th anniversary of the assassination came which was April 4th 
It just, you know, 50 years has gone by. That's a long time. And during that day, I was watching uh, video of the way things were at that time. Color videos of MLK in the year 68 and 67 are just amazing to me because it just shows how short of a time that was. You know, when you see him in color, he looks, you know, the quality of the video might be a little different, but he looks like he'd be walking around right now. Um, So, but it's just amazing that 50 years has gone by. And it's amazing that he was assassinated when he started talking about the polit- about politics uh, more and especially economic uh, equality more. Then he gets assassinated. You know, um, the whole the way that the media was demonizing him during that time, just a lot of stuff like that. And then I got a chance to speak to my dad's best friend, and it's amazing speaking to baby boomers because they were they were there. You know, they react they actually remember these things. He remembered the riots in 67 and then he remembered the riots in 68 when, you know, the riots in 67 were more about poverty, you know, and then in 68, the riots were because somebody killed MLK, etc. And so it's really interesting listening to baby boomers uh, talk about what they experienced at the time. So, um, so I'm glad that a lot of, I'm glad this conference took place. There were several other, other conferences and I'm glad that people really commemorated it. Yeah, no. So the the point that I want to bring up, um, I, there's an article in Relevant Magazine, um, and they had a lot of you know they had a lot of speakers, Eric Mason and a bunch of other guys, Piper, a lot, all 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 the big names, Jackie Hill Perry, yeah. Russell Moore. So all the all the big names were there. Um, but what I one of the ones that I I, I want to point out um, was Mr. Matt Chandler. I sound like he should be on Friends, doesn't it? He looks like a friend, yeah, a know. person who would be on Friends. He's like one of the guys hanging out with Joey, <laughs> Matt Chandler. So, but Matt Matt Chandler had a you know Matt Chandler's a white pastor. Let's just keep it one hundred. And he had a little write up in in Relevant magazine. And so one of the things that he said because he did speak at this event at the MLK Fifty Gospel Reflections from the Mountaintop event. Um, and here's a quote from Matt. Matt said, if I preached the sermon out of the book of Isaiah on justice, my inbox would fill with, with the glee that I would broach the subject. But if I applied it to the subject of race, then all of a sudden I was a Marxist and I've been watching too much liberal media. If I spoke on abortion, I would be applauded as courageous and a ferocious man of God. And yet when I would tackle race, I was being too political. If I quoted the great reformer Martin Luther, never did I get an email about his blatant anti-Semitism. But if I quote the great reformer Martin Luther King Jr., watch my inbox filled with people asking me if I'm aware of his moral brokenness. Now, again, this is a direct quote from Matt Chandler, um, who spoke at this event, who is a white pastor, but who also understands the inconsistencies, I think, with people's quote unquote conviction. Um, I want to hit on the the last part because we could talk about the, the the race thing, and and you know we can all we can talk about that all day long, every day. That's you know it's like it's like low hanging fruit. Um, but the reason we preface this week, um, saying we might be a little bit of Christianese because there may be some terms you never heard of, maybe some people that you don't know. Um, not Martin Luther King Jr. Obviously, I would assume everybody knows mm-hmm. about Martin Luther King Jr. is, um, but. Matt Chandler references another gentleman with a similar name. His name is Martin Luther. Um, if anybody has ever heard the term Protestant, you can thank Martin Luther for that. Um, he was one of the gentlemen who wanted 
to, you know, who advocated separation from the Catholic Church. And here's where you get the Protestant movement. And I'm not going to give you church history, but that's that's who that guy is. But that's but that's the person that um, Daddy King named his son after right, he when he changed, changed his name. Yeah. yeah, when he changed Martin Luther King, when Martin's King, Martin's name from Michael. Um, that's around the time that he had gotten uh, a more reformed mindset in terms of the way he approached the Bible and Christianity. So he changed his son's name to Martin Luther uh, after that reformer. By the way, if anybody didn't realize that's not Martin Luther King's original name. So I didn't know if y'all if you didn't know that now you know his name used to be Michael King when he was born but it was changed by his father his father changed his name as well as his son's name that's why he's Martin Luther King Jr. so if you can if you just go to your Google machine and you <laughs> Google search Martin Luther quotes you will see a a brevy or bevy right bevy I'm, I've been messing up my English today I don't know which one I'm, it I'm, is I'm, 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 I'm trying to thank you of anti-Semitic quotes from Mr. Martin Luther. He was not a he was not a fond man of the Jews, is what as they say in the in the in the business. Um he would say things like they need to be exterminated, kill them all, burn their houses down, burn down their synagogues. Like that's that's those are direct quotes from that man. And so I bring that up because Mr. Chandler says here that if he were to reference um this gentleman in one of his sermons, he he would be lauded as, you know, a ferocious man of God. You know, he'd be, yes, praise God for the great reformer. But if he were to bring up Martin Luther King, another great reformer, he would be con- consistently reminded about his moral brokenness. And, you know, I I wanted to, you know, chit-chat a little bit this morning just about our inconsistencies. When, when, when there are bigger things, we tend to turn a blind eye. There are blind. I think Dan mentioned this in pre-pro. We have blind spots, right? But when it's more of the low-hanging fruit, we love to sort of point those things out. Hey, hey, look, look, look. But when there's like a big looming thing, we just, you know, oh, I'm act like it's not there and just put my head in the sand. And you know what? What are our, what like? What do you guys think about that? What What do you guys think when people take the the stance of, well, this guy, his moral quote unquote brokenness using Matt's words, uh, this is not that bad, but this guy's more brokenness. Uh. I think it's perfectly fine to have blind spots. And that's the thing. Blind spots are a part of the human condition. Just the way that your head is structured, your eyeballs are pointing forward. There, you can't unless you turn around. Look at you with the Bible. I mean, okay. you know, yeah, I mean, your eyeball, you know, unlike a whale, which you know. But anyway, but even the whale, you That's know, right. whales can turn their yeah, eyes. Yeah, but the interesting thing is, speaking of whales and those and fish in that category, they sometimes they can't see what's right and what's directly in front of them, mm. you know, uh, because their eyes are. But the the point is that every living being has blind spots. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to have blind spots from the day you're born until you're 99 and a half years old. You're going to have that. The issue is when you make assumptions based on those blind spots. And that's the thing that really... Assumptions. Assumptions. <laughs> you know, that's really... That's something that really gets to me personally. But all, but more importantly than that, it if you're a person with... Um, a, a platform, it actually, those assumptions actually impact other people, you know? So, so I think it's, it's more um, honest to say, look, that's not a part of my experience. You've experienced that. Why don't you educate me? 
and let's talk from there and, and let's, let's really build um, a discourse as opposed to allowing your blind spots to cause you to discount other people's experiences, especially when their gaze is directly in the area where you are blind and, and you discount them and you, or you tell them, well, you're race baiting or, you know, or, or you're too lazy or you, you don't want to work or, you know, making assumptions. If you have a blind spot, admit that and shut up. So I, I did have an opportunity to, to view some of the conference and specifically the Matt Chandler segment. And when he was, he was speaking, he was speaking from the perspective, you know, of a, being a white pastor and passing over a predominantly white church. Um, so he made, you know, mentioned that these are things that he would bring up to his church and that, you know, that the people who, you know, anyone who uh, wouldn't stick around for it, you know, he, he said, you know, those are like the foolish people, the people who would leave and wouldn't even sit through it, but that mm-hmm. even the, the people in his church who were serious about it, you know, it was a blind spot to them that these are well, you know, well-meaning Christians, these are Christians who, you know, are living it in, in other areas of their lives, but the, you know, this particular issue, this race issue is a, is a blind spot to them. And, you know, just as, you know, Eva, and you mentioned as well, AJ, that we all, we all have blind spots, that it's, it's okay, you know, you know, we are going to have areas that, we're not going to recognize that are sinful in our lives, but it's okay. How do we deal with it when it's brought up to us? And this is why we need each other as as believers. We need each other to help point out, you know, those areas where, okay, you know, brother, sister, you know, mm. uh, this is an area where you, you're falling short in. Like, let's get together. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Now, you know, our fleshly, you know, reaction when our sin gets exposed is to naturally, you know, rebel against it. We don't, we don't like to hear, you know, that we're falling in this area. And this, this is a big, you know, issue here, like specifically, as we mentioned, the race, the racism issue, that it's a, it is a blind spot to a lot of people. And it is something where, you know, when it gets exposed, their their natural reaction is is to kick back against it oh it's and to rather than deal with the sin we uh deal with the person who calls out our <laughs> yep. sin we label that person mm-hmm. uh you know you're you're this you're that you're you're I liberal think matt, matt chandler yeah i was talking about them label him a, a marxist or a liberal um <laughs> but this yeah this is this is an issue that you know we struggle with as believers you know really accepting you know this quote-unquote constructive criticism criticism uh and and dealing with our sin when you said that we need each other that thing really the the image that came into my mind was that new testament image of a body you know we and i think that as believers we probably need to take that 
you know, as literally as it was designed for us to take it. Because imagine, you know, the knee joint trying to communicate to the, to the femur, look, these are the, you know, this, I'm not able to do my job here. If you keep on, you know, turning to the left or to the right or whatever the situation is and, and the femur not wanting to, to listen yeah. or, or vice versa. And we can use this with so many different other tissues and yeah. organs and aspects of the body. And so, you know, we do need each other for this body headed by Christ to function properly. Um, and so, yeah, that dependence, that interdependence that you're talking about, you know, 2000 years ago, I think it was Paul or somebody in the New Testament made that analogy. And I think we need to take that a lot more seriously. I think that uh, this this issue, because again, I think dealing with the race thing is low hanging fruit. And there's a there's a scripture in the Bible um, in Ephesians chapter six where it you know it's an advocation to believers um, that says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, human beings, right? We we wrestle against principalities, rulers, you know, spiritual wickedness in the high places. Um, in the heavenly realms, if you read in the King James, I believe it says the heavenly realms, um, the, the the rulers of the darkness of this world, and and so I, I, you know, me personally, I believe that that speaks to more of the structural wickedness as opposed to individual, you know, sin, you know, and I think one of the mistakes that believers make a lot of times when you see things like that is we try to turn into sin middle management. <laughs> um, you know, like if I if 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 I saw Dan stealing a candy bar, right? Dan, what you doing, man? You know, stealing is wrong. The Bible says don't sin. But yet, your your bank embezzles millions of dollars from people by charging them usury every month. I haven't seen you leave your bank. Well, you know, we we've all seen these banks in the news every week. They get fined for something else, Bank of America or Wells Fargo. Nobody's leaving the bank. I don't hear nobody talking about leaving their banks, you know, for the sake of overcharge. And I'm just using it as an example because it's one of those bigger things. It, yeah. It's a bigger thing. And I think that for believers, it's easier for us to have a blind spot with bigger things. It's very easy for it because the, the bigger things sort of prop us up. And we don't realize that we actually benefit from those bigger things. And when it's something bigger that I benefit from, I'm not as inclined to point that out. You know, you, me pointing out you stealing that candy bar from 7-Eleven, that's, hey, I'm, I'm in the clear, right? But if I point out a, something systemic that actually benefits me, I'm not I'm not 100% certain I want to really start shaking that tree right now and I, I think that that speaks more to where people's blind spots are you know I was listening to in an interview this past week um, the gentleman's name is Shane Claiborne he wrote a book called Executing Grace and double entendre yeah, on that double first entendre word there. you like that uh, he's a professional like we are here um, but he uh, he's an author. He wrote a book called Executing Grace, and it's regarding the death penalty. And, you know, just by making that one statement, it, you know, conjures up certain feelings for a lot of different people. 
right? A lot of people are going to be pro-death penalty. A lot of people are going to be anti-death penalty, but that wasn't even really the point. He was just saying, as a believer, right? As a believer, I have to have a particular stance on it, and I can't think so flippantly about the loss of life, you know, whether this person did something that was heinous, egregious, repaying that with more death, right? How how do I reconcile that with my faith? How do you know? There's a you know he 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 used this term. He said that, you know we we have this problem when we have that particular stance, and it's this guy Jesus. We have a pro, you know he's the he's the problem because no matter how egregious or heinous the act. Um, are we looking for retribution or are we looking for restoration in our justice? And justice for a believer has to be restoration first. Whereas these, again, these larger, bigger systems, they look for retribution. It's not about restoration. It's about retribution. So I'm using that to correlate it with this whole thing about race or, you know, capitalism, all of these sort of big things that, at the end of the day, we can look to and, and see that it in some way, shape, or form actually benefits us as believers. We're not as inclined to call those things out. Well, let's reverse back to the to the, um, to the the person that everyone keeps on forgetting just for a second, and that's Jesus, you know, the man that, <laughs> you know, that was called Jesus. I think one thing that's really ironic is that Jesus, Jesus observed the commandments and the law, right? Like that's, Jesus did that. But when it because he knew what he was getting ready to accomplish in terms of being the sacrificial lamb so that people did not suffer death for these sins because their sin debt was, would be paid by him. Um, he throughout the New Testament or throughout the Gospels talked about the true meaning of these these laws and these commandments and people's responses. Remember, they were going to stone the woman caught in adultery to death and he you know, um, uh, and saved her from that 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 uh, capital punishment, but told her to go and sin no more. Told her to go and you know and and uh, stop violating that law again. You know, like he he gave her instructions. He gave her a different way. So it's interesting that the people nowadays um, want to bring who, who believe in capital punishment want to go back into the law of Moses. And they want to uh, to resurrect that, but they won't obey other aspects of the of the law of God that Christ did obey. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we just need to read that. We need to dust off those Bibles. <laughs> yeah, and just further to further to that point, uh, Eva. You know, we as a tendency, you know, as as mankind, we have a tendency to try to prop ourselves up to justify ourselves by trying to keep particular commandments or laws of course none of us are able to keep all the commandments and that's why christ came in the first place but we choose to select you know a few that we consider we so we have hierarchies okay this is the most important okay no killing no stealing and you know as today you know we see in american culture big ones are you know homosexuality abortion those are like the the hugest ones and granted these are not not things to be neglected these yeah. are you know important to focus on but should this be where the majority of our focus is is on today 
and it's easy um i know pre-production you know eva you know mentioned you know that we're good at pointing out sins but you know what i what i really see is the difficulty is we have a hard time when it costs us when it costs us time money effort loss of popularity loss of prestige you know it's so i don't you know i know aj you you know mentioned just the different um you know dealing with like the quote-unquote flesh and blood issues and then the bigger principality issues but i, I see it more of a you know what is it going to cost us so yeah. Yeah. it's easy for us to say you know okay um you know aj like you said you saw me still candy bar at the store it's easy for you to say okay that's wrong this is what the bible says but uh, you know are you gonna fast and pray with me over this issue <laughs> i'm struggling with uh what's the word i'm thinking of where you have a problem stealing the <laughs> Clep, is it kleptomania, kleptomania. Yeah. yeah i'm i'm you know are you gonna fast and pray for me with this kleptomania are you gonna walk with be you up all, all, the way through? all night with me yeah. and <laughs> this is the thing we're not willing to do and you know we're like you know i mentioned the you know homosexuality and the abortion are we gonna are we really going to put in the effort to, you know, to help, you know, these people through these issues of homosexuality? Are we good at just pointing out that, okay, this is a sin, you need to get right with Jesus, but are you going to fast and pray with me? Are you going to, you know, walk with me? And, you know, abortion, you know, are we, we so focused on being pro-life, you know, and, and this is something I, I am pro-life. Uh, don't, get me wrong yeah but are we going to focus on life beyond the womb are we mm. going to focus on the people who are you know in you know in a poor condition who are struggling to raise their kids are we going to adopt more kids are we going to foster more kids you know are we going to see to improve their quality of life um these are things that are going to cost us. It's easy to, again, it's easy to say that these things are, are wrong and to point people to the scripture on these issues. But when it costs us personally, this is where we, where we struggle with as believers. Boom, boom, boom. So now you, you bring up another really good point, Dan, because this is something else that's very large. And there's an there's a AJ Plus video that I shared on our Facebook page. Um, where they were interviewing some different Christian leaders and talking about different things in terms of the term um, evangelical Christian, um, which is a redundant term, because um, if you're a Christian, you should be sharing your faith. So you're not doing anything special if you call yourself an evangelical. But one of the things that they said in, in the video, um, they were interviewing this particular pastor, and, and I forget his name, older gentleman, but he was talking about poverty and he said how there is like 2000 verses in the Bible that mention poverty and how we should help the poor. Yet there's only about a dozen that reference um, uh, Jim Wallace. That's his name, Jim Wallace. He's a pastor named Jim Wallace. Um, but there's only about a dozen that reference homosexuality. Insert Pac-Man dying 
audio. <laughs> but we but we spend so much time, you know, and now I, I think this is is relative to our discussion only because me pointing out someone else's homosexual, you know, behavior, right? It's very easy for me to do because again, that does not affect me personally. So I can say, "Hey, you're gay." You're going to burn in hell or what, you know, whatever people say, whatever they say. Which is an interesting declaration. Okay. Wait, so uh, if you're exactly. gay, you're going to burn in hell. Okay. So then what now? It, exactly. Ridiculous. You know, the Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads men to repentance, not, you know, the accusation. But anyway, if I were to point out poverty, right, and really address poverty again, that could potentially affect me. Right. I'm, we're sitting here with a bunch of electronic equipment that was probably made by somebody in China for ten dollars a day or ten cents and whatever it was. So there there's a part of us, if if we're honest, that no, I'm not sure if I really, really want to shake that poverty tree. Why? Because it could potentially affect me. A coconut, a coconut lands directly on your head <laughs> right. when you shake yeah. that tree. I shake that tree. I might get a, a knot on my head because something's <laughs> going to come landing on me because we then realize, wait a minute, this system actually benefits me. You know, the, the way that this thing is structured actually put, you know, is a potential benefit to me. Similar to the race thing where people who are in power, when you start to get really close, you realize you benefit from it. So you don't really want to touch it. Similar to financially, right? We go in and we realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. That to a certain degree, this benefits me. So how far, like how deep do I really want to go? And so this is a question I'm asking to everybody because a lot of times, and this is a, you know, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little bit of shade on black folk because we'll love to expect white people to do this when it pertains to race. When it pertains to race, black people expect white people to go all the way down this rabbit hole. You need to go down and deal with this system that benefits you. Okay, great. That's true. How many systems that benefit black people do we really go down? Well, this, this is, the, but this goes back to the issue of, of the fact that our society is built on a cast of, of, of privilege and underprivilege, mm -hmm. and not just American society. Uh, yeah, human worldly, beings. Human beings. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the principalities, which is, goes beyond human beings, you know, but the principalities and powers and the enemies of God have created this specifically so that human beings could go out each other's mm -hmm. throat for a larger purpose, which is another discussion altogether. But the point is, uh, this is a system of privilege and underprivilege. So every category has castes within that continuum. So when we talk about gender, maleness is privileged over femaleness and i would probably say that the gender fluidity part is privileged or is underprivileged <laughs> underneath all of that right gender um, fluidity. yeah i mean that's uh, you know that that's goes all the way to that's the a, bottom it's a ten dollar word for you people out there colorism is another thing yeah, yeah, yeah. you know uh, lack of melanin is privileged over melanin and this is across the board you know how much in even in africa and and in specific countries like jamaica and india uh, uh, you know how don't be calling out my people. Uh, see, uh, hey, hey, you no. know how much these ridiculous skin whitening <laughs> yeah, creams yeah. are being. It's you a know, big deal. you know. So we're talking about colorism. We're talking about gender. We're talking about levels of education. Education that's is privileged another, over. That, that's you know, a good one. so every category. So you're right. Even people who are in um, categories that are underprivileged in one area, like us being, you know, people of African ancestry, might have. Like, for example, I have able body privilege. I have friends who are my age 
who are experiencing health issues. I've never had health issues in my life, and I'm blessed in that. But able-bodied privilege is a big deal. There's certain things I don't have to think about. When Bernie Sanders um, had introduced that bill to wipe out all college debt, I, if there's actually a, a little bit of resentment that rose up in my heart because <laughs> like, you're paying that thing off. I, 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 I paid my student loans <laughs> off, but I was like, I had to pay my loans off. These young whippersnappers, they need to understand what it's like. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, but you just mentioned that educational privilege, you yeah. know, where I benefit from that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I exactly. benefit from the fact that I have multiple degrees. All three of us, and yes. And I can go out and do different things exactly. that other people can't do. So now that's a really good point. Yeah, it's just it's just hard for us to. You know, when we're stuck in our bubble to, you know, view things from another perspective, like even the older generation, I worked my way through college, your tuition was $1,000, not not $50,000, whatever you're paying right now. So, yeah, we often yeah get stuck on what, what is immediate, what is in front of us. And like you said, it is it is bigger than that. And, and dealing with this whole system structure it it can you know i'm i'm just going to be honest and i don't know how the rest of you feel but it, it can be overwhelming thinking oh, yeah. about it um but you know what are we supposed to be doing from a christian perspective now you know i know i mentioned you know we taught a little pre-production keep mentioning that word but you know is that's is, all right we sound pro- professional but um you know are we are we to kind of flip the structure over is that our responsibility uh and I'm, i know you mentioned aj2 also you know is that our responsibility or is our responsibility to kind of advocate for the structure to 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 do neither which you know i think it is to to do neither but to to work you know through you know the the structure that is there to you know, care for the orphan and widow, to care for the poor, to, you know, represent the the gospel in, in this decaying system, but don't yeah. don't put our hope and our trust in this system and be able to be able to take a stand even when it shakes that structure, when our life is gonna be affected, when okay, if I take a stand here it's gonna cost me something. Yeah, be able to, to take that stand that that even if it costs me uh, money, material wealth, um, you know, power, prestige, that I'm I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and it's interesting. The Bible answers those questions, you know, and that speaks again to us blowing off the dust <laughs> and and actually reading what it says. Jesus, for example, acknowledged that Caesar's uh, that Caesar's um, profile was on that coin. Right. You know, so it's like okay, so I'll give back to Caesar what belongs to him. This is. You know, this is his monetary system, um, but the scripture also speaks about what we're, how we're supposed to be living. You know, the way that we're supposed to be relating to each other, the way that we display love, which is through obedience, um, and and the way that uh, we're supposed to, uh, what we're supposed to be wrestling against. You know, uh, as opposed to looking at surface issues. Yeah. So to to your point, Dan, I I agree. I don't think we're supposed to do neither. I don't, you know, or do either. <laughs> Man, I'm struggling with English today. You know, because you're struggling I, with the English. I don't think that we're called to, you know, you know, Jesus said to Pilate, "My my kingdom's not of this world." So we understand that we're not supposed to be storming the gates, you know, jumping over the White House fence in the in the name of the Lord, right? 
Um, but likewise, I think the the advocating for for this system um, is. I think the the advocating for this system is something that we shouldn't be doing either. And so something else that um, Jim Wallace had said in that AJ plus video um, was this whole thing about America first. He's like, you know, America first is heresy. And I was like, whoa. But he's like, if you think about like we are citizens of the kingdom of God, like we are sojourners here. We are king. What do you mean? God is an American. What are you talking about? God is an American. Shout out to Lecrae. I I love that. That was one of the best lines from his last album. He's like, I'm glad that Jesus ain't American. Um, But yeah, we we, we have to have a a different mindset. So like something else going back to that book um, by Shane Claiborne, um, Executing Grace. So he has a couple statistics in the book. And uh, he said 85% of executions that take place in the U.S. take place in the quote unquote Bible Belt. And he was like he actually found when he was doing research from the book any area where there was a large concentration of believers you also found a large large number of capital executions and which that's that is an indictment that that should not be something that should be applauded that should be an indictment and i think the the reason for that and this is where we get into the whole neither thing is I think where we where we missed it, you know, and I mean collectively, is we I, I think believers understand that sin affected people. Right? When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, we understand the effect upon sin that it had upon people. But I think what we don't realize is that sin didn't just affect people on an individual level, it affects systems because you have fallen people in leadership and authority in charge of these systems the system itself will be affected so we can't as believers advocate for a financial system or a judicial system or a political system or an educational system even a religious system because all at the head of all of these systems are fallen people right so we have to be neither we that's why when jesus came and they were like yo you giving the, the kingdom back to israel he's like no i'm not here for that i'm not here for that like we would think that was what he would do and so this is what believers think god is going to come back and help us take over america no he's not he's not here for that isn't it interesting how we're making the same uh mistakes that were made two two millennia ago and that were addressed two millennia ago and we continue to say that we read this this uh collection of books called the bible uh but not seeing the parallels you know and then even on a greater level the parallel between the roman empire and the american empire you know and there being christians within the roman empire and christians within the american empire and we're making the same errors (laughs) that the christians within the context of the roman empire made i think it's easy to do so because of those blind spots i think it's very easy to slip in Remember, uh, Satan showed Jesus. He said, "Look, look at these kingdoms of, the, of this world. Look at the kingdoms of this world. I'll give you all. The, I'll give you everything you ask for if you bow down." He didn't show him something that he didn't own. He didn't show him something that he didn't, you know, have control of. Yeah, and you see it throughout Christian history. I think the issue is once uh, Christianity gets into a position of, of power, mm. political power, it's a dangerous thing, and it and yep. the the gospel gets corrupted. You saw it with the you go back, yeah, a couple, well, not quite a couple of millennia, but, you know, 1,500 years ago where with the Catholic Church and where, you know, and the Pope and him basically being an emperor and, 
and then so it's more of a being yeah he was a, the holy roman emperor yeah, yeah and being a being a catholic was not necessarily about you know or your your faith in god but more of a political thing more of a power structure thing and today you you see it today as well and you know from viewing the video i mentioned how you know the word basically the word evangelical got hijacked in the 80s and it became more of a religious right thing um where it's more so about you know if you're um you know republican if your views align with this political structure then you're an evangelical so so it you know our yeah our our view of christianity has got warped our view of evangelical has got warped where hmm. you know uh, again you say you know 75 percent or whatever of this country says that they're hmm. christian or evangelical how much of is that is really <laughs> accurate how much how many of those people are really living out their faith as opposed to maybe visiting church once a month on a sunday and holding to you know a certain political party you know i would say the number is much much less yeah and it needs to be jesus first and not not america first not republican party first not democrat party first but you know our our allegiance to christ is not tied to this world system or political party well, getting, getting back to that parallel, I misspoke earlier when I said that the Pope was the Holy Roman Emperor. He wasn't. It was Constantine or whoever occupied that space. However, just to get back to the parallel, who would, who would we say um, runs the religious system in this country? Would you say that it's some of those groups that rose up in the 80s, like the Christian Coalition or the Moral Majority, um, and... There's an interplay in terms of power between whether they influence the political system or the political system influences them, um, or would it be someone else completely? Because as Christians, we live in the midst of this, and we need to know how to respond. We need to know when when what we're hearing is biblical or when it's just political, and we need to know how to respond according to the way that you know, the, the, the things that God placed in Scripture. Um, otherwise, we're tossed from one thing to the next. I don't. I mean, I, me personally, I don't think any one person runs it right now. Um, I think one person will eventually run it. I mean, but we all understand what the scripture says about that. Um, but I think that it's it, it's a system that's positioned itself to be taken over. Um, you know, the the Bible talks about how the the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the earth, and so you know, we we told you guys in the beginning we we're going to get a little Christianese today. So I just want to preface. You know, we we prefaced all that, but I you know. This this power grab that that um, you know the be- believers in this system have set themselves up for um, it's it's rather unfortunate, um, but ultimately we have to understand is that we are sort of switching one power structure for another. You know, if if I'm a believer and I say, yo, you know, I think what what did the, what Jim Wallace said that you know one of the things that that the uh, the Reagan administration did in the eighties was it sent all these political operatives to a lot of these mega church pastors <laughs> to say, you know, we'll we'll make you a household name if you do A, B, and C. It's like Wow. Sounds familiar. It sounds very familiar. And so what did they do? Of course, well we know what they did, right? We see the fruit of what they did. They became household names. That's why we all know who Jerry Falwell is and the rest of these Kenneth Copeland and the rest of them, right? There's a reason we know who they are. You know, for as much as we want to say they're this and they're that, we know who they are. 
Like we know these guys' names, we know their wives, we know their ministries, we know who they are. They are household names. Even people who aren't believers, people who be like, I hate church, I hate this, I hate that, but they know who those guys are, right? Um, the Jimmy Swaggers of the world. They they are known commodities, and so what what they said took place took place. You know, we will make your household name, and they did. Now, I think in in the process, they you know exchanged the the power of God for political power. You know, and now all that we said, all of that, right? To come back to the original point, how we have blind spots to all that stuff. Yeah. Right. How we'll easily say, you know, this person's gay or this person's this or this person's that. But all this other stuff, all this chaos is going on around us. And we just turned a blind eye. And I think it's because we're motivated by these. These systems motivate us. Believers, I'm really calling you to attention here. These systems motivate us to turn a blind eye. Like, you know, I can go to Walmart and get a deal, you know, so I'm motivated to turn a blind eye to economic inequality to pretty much slavery to modern day slavery. Yeah. You know, I can turn a blind eye to these things. Why? Because it benefits me. If I'm a white believer, I don't really want to hear about MLK and how he challenged the structures of race. Because my privilege benefits me. I'm not really sure if I want to hear these things. And so, you know, we were talking earlier and I said, that's why, you know, I I had to give it some thought. And I realized, you know, I can't really fault Black Lives Matter or Me Too or any of these other movements. And now, do they have their faults? Yes, they're easily faulted. I can easily list a a litany of, of what their faults are. But I won't do that. And I don't do that publicly because I realize you have these serious matters that were left to the hands of children to deal with. And I may have just offended somebody too bad. You and when know? you say children, you mean people without spiritual insight. Without so spiritual insight. So basically they're looking at what's right in front of them. Exactly. Um, without looking at the, sh- without really looking at the underlying structural and even underlying, you know, principality related uh, issues that are going on that present themselves as the the structures that we live within it's trying to address spiritual matters with earthly means it's not possible right and so and they say things that are true so we're not speaking against obviously well they say facts well that's why i say things that are true i'm not saying everything they say is true you know but when you say that there should be economic uh equality or there shouldn't be ethnic um uh uh the issues related to ethnic inequality, that's true. So, you know, but at the same time, um, who has the God of this earth, or I should say, who has the God of creation called uh, to to deal with these types of issues? And what standard uh, should it be based on? And so here's, you know, we started off this episode talking about Matt Chandler, you know, who Dan said, you know, he's a white pastor of a white congregation. And here he is saying, you know, oh, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, how many pastors or leaders or whatever how many of these guys realized this 25 years ago right but chose to remain silent because that rabbit hole goes down far enough where you realize this system benefits me so i'm just going to stay silent on this one i'm, I'm going to let somebody else deal with this this is not my you know we use we sort of come up with these justifications in our mind uh this is not really my fight yeah, I'll let somebody else deal with this and I'm not going to get involved, whatever, you know. And so now you have a generation later 
You got marches in D.C., right? You got you, you, you got marches in every major city. You got all these things going on. And now here we are as the body, as believers looking back, hmm, maybe we should say something about this. Maybe we should get involved. Yeah, sure, now at the tail end, but it's you sown the wind, now you reap the whirlwind. This is what the Bible says. And so now it's a much worse issue to deal with because it's not just the issue. It's now all the other people who have chosen to get involved and kind of muck things up. So you can't, and you can't really speak from a perspective of moral insight because you've aligned yourself with political leaders who were unjust. It's so much, it's so much more murky now than it would have been just a generation ago. Think about it. Just when we were kids, if believers who were leaders came out and dealt with these things, right? Prior to Me Too, prior to Black Lives Matter, prior to all this stuff going on, police shootings, everything. And they said, you know what? There's a structure of injustice in this nation. And we as the body, we're going to, no, we stay silent. We stay quiet. And the the MAGA crowd rises up. And now we realize, oh, there's an issue that we got to deal with. Hmm. Let's project our minds to the year 2040. To us right now here in 2018, 2040 is a long time from now. But it actually is just like 1998 is, you know, to us. look at you. (laughs) Yeah. So project our minds to 2040. If things aren't dealt with now, based on what it is that uh, that we're discussing in terms of the fact that we need more than just protests, uh, then people who aren't yet born will be protesting these same things mm, wow. in the year 2040 and keep on moving forward, 2060, 2080, or maybe even more close together. So it is really interesting that uh, from this, at least on this continent, from the 1600s on, there have been these types of flare-ups, flare-ups. Every generation has a different flare-up, um, but related to the same topics. All right, I'm just going to... Yeah, just read read some scripture. I just uh, want you guys to know, since you can't see, because you know, we don't have a video component yet, that Daniel just pulled out that Bible, and I just want you. I to know, know y'all heard those pages. That Bible, <laughs> that Bible weighs about fourteen pounds. <laughs> Go ahead, Daniel. All right, all right. Uh, so this is coming from James chapter two, uh, starting at verse fourteen. As he says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food? And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Those, thus also... Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead, and I, dead, I, dead. And I think this is really what it boils down to, as I said before. Like, if if it's going to cost us something, you know, this is we don't like to get our hands dirty as Christians, as as believers. Once it starts to cost us things, it's easy for us to, you know, point out things. And this is what, you know... You know, getting to what you said, AJ, about you know why why are we you know why didn't we get involved earlier? Why are we waiting for the tail end? Because you get involved early means a lot of groundwork, a lot of digging, trying to lay that foundation, and that's that's harder. It's easier to to build upon the foundation someone else has laid. It's hard to be at the forefront of the movement. Um, so these are things that you know we shy away from but what does the bible say is that our you know we 
speak so much about our, our faith, you know, our, our belief in God, but we're not putting in work. What does that say about our faith is that it's dead. Um, so we, if, if all we can do is point out, you know, someone else's sins and point out that this is wrong, that is wrong, okay, you know, um, stealing is wrong, homosexuality is wrong, abortion is wrong, which they are, but if we're not willing to put in the work and not just dealing with those particular issues, those people, but as AJ said, you know, understanding that it's deeper than that. It's, you know, there's principalities that we're not willing to put into work and, and fight against these things and to help, you know, help people through these things, then our faith is dead, point blank, period. we've been heavy this week guys we've been really heavy so we're going to end it on a light note this is going to be light it's going to be good (laughs) i know that's shocking coming from me but we got it this week in the news and it is a positive one the church did something positive i know right a church did something good and so you know you guys know you know you know that we normally like to highlight you know the chicanery that uh a lot of people do in the in the name of god so it's kind of like an easy target but this one is actually a good one. So uh, this week in the news, just wanted to highlight. Um, and this actually stemmed from, you know, because I wanted to find something positive because this stemmed from an interview I heard from a brother, uh, Adam Coleman. He runs another podcast. Shout out to Adam. I reached out to him on Twitter because I told him he, I want to get him on to do an interview. But he, he runs uh, the King Talks podcast. And he's actually from this area. He's out in Alexandria. He said he's a social worker. He's a um, he works in the social work area. And one of the things he was saying about this topic that I'm about to bring up is that a lot of people love to bash churches and this, that, and the other. But he's like, you know, I work in the social work area, and he's like, one of the biggest resources that we have in our agency are churches. Excellent. He's like, you know, I don't hear nobody else out here trying to help to deal with the homeless issue or battered women or any of these other things. He's like, but you know who I do see? I see churches volunteering. So he I just shout out to Adam. Um appreciate it, you know, appreciate it. It maybe he's like, you know what? Let me go look up some stuff. I know churches out here putting in work. Everybody's not out here buying six million dollar jets you know (laughs) every every church is actually every church is actually putting in work you know yeah i think more so like the yeah the oftentimes the local the smaller churches are doing a lot of work but we hear about the the mega churches with the (laughs) million dollar jets and stuff and the bentley and with that said this is actually a mega church so here we are so this is a mega church out in texas um covenant church in carlton texas um leader out there his name is stephen hayes so Easter Sunday just happened a couple weeks ago. Easter Sunday, this church decided to bless over four thousand families within a twenty-mile radius of each. Because this uh, it's a mega church, so they have five campuses. I use air quotes there. So th- I'm I'm not gonna go negative. I'm gonna stay positive. So these these guys they decided to bless four thousand families um, with ca- um, paying off their medical debt. And the total was over ten and a half million dollars of medical debt that this church helped to bless each family 
uh, with not just church members. It was just any families okay. that they knew of in the area. Yeah. Um, within the twenty mile radius. So they, you know, they what they did was rather than spending, because they said normally every year they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, on promotion for their Easter service. So they'll do mm. ads, radio spots, billboards. They'll spend I me mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they didn't do any of that. Um, as an example, the pastor said each billboard that they put up costs between twenty and 30000 a month just for one billboard. Wow. So they didn't do any of that this year. They decided to pay off some medical debt. And so for those of you who don't know, it wasn't a total of $10.5 million. It was $10.5 million of debt. But a lot of times when you um, when your debt goes to collections, they'll say if you pay 30% of the total, we'll yeah. cancel all of it. So that's the amount that they pay, which is still a ton that of money. That is a huge relief for these yeah. families, yeah. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Covenant Church um, out in the Carlton area that's out in the DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, who who blessed all these families. I mean, so there are, you know, despite all of the nonsense that we bring up sometimes, there are churches out here, you know, putting in a lot of work. And so for anybody who wants to bash churches, you know, consistently with no, you know, sort of end game, the end game is, well, if you want to bash the church, then what are you going to do, right? What exactly are you going to do? Um, and so we just wanted to highlight these people and say, hey, Good work. Give them a shout out. If you want to tweet them, say we heard about you on across the intersection. We appreciate what you did. Shout out. Shout them out. You know, they can they can sponsor us anytime. Covenant Church can sponsor us anytime. So we just wanted to shout them out. No, no, it's great. Yeah, no. It's great. No, it's 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 great to hear and it's good to, you know, again, not always hear about, you know, the bad things we're doing, but the good things. Because church is doing a lot of good and, you know, we don't want people to forget that that a lot of the things that we have in place in society, like, you know, hospitals were started by the church. Yeah. So, you know, we have to acknowledge the good. I mean, we acknowledge the bad a lot, but it's, we want to acknowledge the good as well. Yeah. I think there are a lot more guys and, and elders and leaders, you know, who got into the ministry for, for real good purposes and healthy aims than charlatans i mean part of the reason that charlatans charlatans get so much press is because it's just like really (laughs) i mean are you (laughs) are you really gonna go there you know but but the regular dude who says let's start a ministry wants to help people exactly and so even on here you know when when you know we are saying things in levity it's because we, we we want you guys to be better. We, we want you to be better. So if we highlight something that we know is not up to par, it's only because we, we know that you have the capacity to be better. So we want to encourage you all to be better, and we hope that you encourage us to be better, even though we're pretty excellent. We're, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> Pride come before the fall. No, I'm just kidding. So, hey, listen, everybody, we thank you all for rocking with us again this week. Um, and we hope that these things, you know, really added to what you're doing. And we hope that, you know, you gain some insight from it. And, you know, we're going to continue to do what we do. And we're going to keep God in the mix. So for Dan and for Eve, this is AJ saying peace. Peace, peace, peace out. Let's get started, I won't teach you Let me set apart who is my people The ones who set in their heart to be believers Press on to the mark to follow Jesus When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving Don't follow their feelings that are being misleading Yeah, they're the ones that keeping it biblical Keep it 100 when others
just saying it's fictional. A relational life, that is how it's scriptural. A stay in the light while cats be living typical. Integrity be chose, cause folks is hypocritical. Religious midwit, man, that is how they picture you. Wishing you would go the way of the extinctional. You remind me.